Before tonight's Angle of Pursuit podcast, a word from our sponsor. I cannot believe Jerry Jones didn't re-sign DeMarco Murray. What an idiot. Like you could do better. I guarantee I could. They should change the name from Jerry's Cowboys to Dennis's Cowboys. Well, here's the chance to prove it. Head over to MyFootballNow.com. It's the number one rated online professional football management simulator. You become the owner, general manager of a pro football team. You get to hire the coaches, draft the players, sign free agents, manage the salary cap, all while putting together your own game plan. You'll play against players from around the world, and all the, and the best part is, it's totally free. Build your dynasty now at MyFootballNow.com. First thing I'm going to do is get DeMarco back in the Longhorn State. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Angle of Pursuit podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. Um, Dennis is on vacation this week. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, the Mad Dog's back joining us this week. Ron, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's really good good to join you guys tonight and uh, fill in for Dennis, and I'm sure he's uh, somewhere in sunny uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and for those who don't know, Ron is actually, we're going to be uh, extending our show to so two nights, uh, two episodes a week. Um, and Ron's going to be joining me on a weekly basis to talk, you know, DFS, to talk some Dynasty, talk two quarterback league and, uh, you know, continue all the awesome fantasy football talk. And uh, we're excited tonight to have our, uh, the boss of the piggies, uh, Regan Yanis, joining us tonight. How you doing, Regan? Hey, I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Don't don't be excited. It's it's just me. Mm. <laughs> womp womp womp. Um, no, I wanted to have you on because tonight we're going to talk the uh, NFC West, and I know your favorite Arizona Cardinals are a part of that. Um, so I figured you'd be a good great person to to kind of shoot around with, and uh, let's talk some NFC, NFC West. Talk about what we expect from these teams. Talk about. Um, you know, any sleepers we may like or, or any of that good stuff. So let's start with your Cardinals and, and let's start with Carson Palmer. I mean, what, what's a, what are reasonable expectations for Carson Palmer for this season? Uh, Regan, I'll let you start. Well, let, let's start with, uh, um, you know, hoping that he's going to be all good to go and going to be repaired. I'm a little bit worried about it being his, uh, his second ACL tear of his career, uh, granted, opposite knee, but, uh, um, you know, all signs point to go for, for him. And I think the team, obviously, you saw last year a 9-1 and one start with Carson Palmer at the helm. And then Carson Palmer uh, went downhill, and you saw what happened to the team. So I think um, as Carson Palmer goes, the Arizona Cardinals go. I, I think last year, if you look at the stats, um, man, he was on pace for 4,700 yards and, and, and 29 touchdowns. So I think he has a grasp, obviously, of uh, Bruce Arians' system. I think it was a pretty natural fit. Um, he's the the uh, stone-legged, stone-footed quarterback with the big arm uh, that Bruce Arians looks for. Um, and more of the same. I mean, you, Another year, Michael Michael Floyd. Another year of John Brown getting to learn the offense. Um, John Brown's bulked up ten ten pounds. I guess we'll get to that. We're still talking about Carson Palmer, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, you know as 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 Carson Palmer goes, the Arizona Cardinals are going to go this year. Yeah, and that's kind of my concern. Uh, and Ron, I'll let I'll let you go. You know, kind of what are your thoughts on Carson? And 
you know, if he goes down or, you know, that offense clearly fell apart, is it, you know, that might not be something we want to invest in as a, in season long formats. Ron, Ron, where are you at with the, with the Cardinals and, and Carson Palmer? I think the future is bright for the Cardinals. I really like all the pieces they have. I mean, obviously we're talking about Carson Palmer right now, the former USC Trojan. You know, he is, uh, he is getting up there in age and like, like Regan was saying, you know, the second ACL tear has me a little concerned, but I think this guy's tough and I think he'll come back strong. And, you know, if you look at his numbers, you know, every start he had last year, he threw for at least two touchdowns. And, you know, that was pretty amazing if you think about it, except for the last start, obviously, when he got hurt. But, um, you know, he's, he's got plenty of targets to throw the ball to. And, um, you know, obviously we'll get into more of the, the running back situation and, and all that, but, um, I think this is going to be a big year for Carson Palmer if he can stay on the field. Obviously, we know what happened uh, after he got hurt, and you know that's kind of the issue. Is you know outside, you know, if he if he does get re-injured, you know, you're looking at Drew Stanton, and you know, they're the team's going to go south, you know, so they're going to go as far as Carson, Carson Palmer takes him, and, and I really uh, I really do like like him a lot this year, and I'll also say that you know if, if you're one of those fantasy football players or owners that uh, prefer to wait on quarterbacks, you know, I would roll the dice, wait on quarterbacks, stock up all your positions, um, players, and then take Carson Palmer as late as you can. You could probably get him, you know, maybe the 12th round or even later than that. Um, but I think he would be a, he'll be a hell of a bargain this year. Yeah, I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, I'd love to own. I think, um, you know, maybe draft him and Teddy Bridgewater or him and, Roethlisberger and maybe, you know, kind of have a two guys. That way, if something happens to him, he goes down, you know, I can kind of play the matchups. Or he's going to be a guy I'm going to lean on early in DFS-type formats where, you know, you play him for a week and you're not you're not tied to him. But, you know, what do we think of, of the pass catchers in Arizona? You know, Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, kind of struggled a little bit, didn't really do what, um, you know, owners thought he might do and, and what he traditionally done in the past. And, and Michael Floyd's never really become the guy, uh, you know, many thought he could be and kind of, you know, I, I for one thought he would, you know, last year was the year he was going to take over and assume that wide receiver one, uh, role. And, and John Brown exploded and he was a late value. So he was a guy that, you know, help fantasy owners. Regan, I'll let you start. I mean, kind of what are your thoughts on the receiving core as a whole, and uh, what parts are, are you most interested in? Well, you know, when you think about it, the entire team crashed. It wasn't just, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just Larry Fitzgerald. Um, Drew Stanton is a, I, I believe, is a serviceable serviceable backup. Um, and I think I do think that the team thinks now this not throw fantasy football out. I'm talking real football. I think the team thinks they can win with Stanton because they were five and three with him as the starting quarterback last year. So um, I do think that they think they can win with him, but obviously uh, stats are going to suffer if, if he's got to come in. Um, and if, if you look at Fitzgerald for the I don't know, let's say the past five years, and people say he's uh He's going downhill. He's down on blah, 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 blah. Um, let, let's run some numbers and, uh, let's check out the most uncatchable balls thrown in the last five years. And Larry Fitzgerald is literally doubled the second closest guy in, uh, uncatchable balls. Um, so 
I, I believe that the stat before last season was um, 50% of the balls he caught were uncatchable. And I, it, he had 140 targets and he had 72 catches, I believe. And um, there was there was 78 of his of his passes were uncatchable. That means that he was actually credited with six catches that were considered uncatchable from the quarterback. <laughs> so uh, let you know let let let's let, let's you know play you know play this uh, you know downplay the whole the whole thing. We, we know he's slowing down in speed. Um, he was never fast to begin with, um, but he's slowing down in speed. He's going to be the Reggie Wayne guy, I think. In this offense, what we pictured, what we predicted last year, he's going to be more the Reggie Wayne guy this year. Now, I, I was always picturing Michael Floyd being the sort of T.Y. Hilton guy from uh, Bruce Arians' offense a couple years ago in Indy. Um, and it looks more like John Brown's going to be that guy. So un, un, until, to me, until Fitz goes away, until Fitz retires – Michael Floyd is kind of in that uh, in that in the middle there somewhere. He's the the Donnie Avery type, the third guy in Pittsburgh type. He's going to get targets, but they're going to be inconsistent. Now, John Brown is considered the guy who's going to be all over the field. Fitz is going to play. Fitz is going to play the slot. Michael Floyd is still going to be considered the uh, the take the top off the defense, the deep threat guy. So. But I mean, I'm even excited about their fourth and fifth guys. You know, we've got some young guys on there. Jerron Brown, I, I, I call him, I call him John Brown's brother. You know, the other Jay Brown on the team. Man, he showed some flashes last year too. So even if somebody gets hurt, I, ha- I, I have a feeling that they've got guys that can step up. And I mean, overall, like we said, Carson Palmer was on pace for 4,700 yards last year before he got hurt. So. 4,700 yards, that's a lot of yards to go around to wide receivers. There's going to be at least two, possibly three, 1,000-yard receivers on this team. Yeah, and that's funny you mentioned, you know, Michael Floyd is kind of the third option. Currently, you know, Floyd's going basically 34th among receivers. Fitzgerald's going right after him at 36. And and John Brown seems like a screaming value at 51. Uh, Ron, if you're picking between Floyd and Fitzgerald, are, are you leaning Floyd, or are you going to hope that uh, you know Fitzgerald still has more in the, in the tank? Well, it depends on what type of uh, setup it is. I mean, if it's dynasty, you're definitely going after Floyd. Um, you know, Fitz. You know, he he is getting old, but and he's never been fast, just like Regan was saying. But you know, this guy's got to catch more than two touchdowns this year with Carson Palmer, a healthy Carson Palmer. He's out there for 16 games. You know, I think realistically we could be looking at maybe a 75 catch season somewhere in the neighborhood of between 850 yards to 900 and some yards. And I, I think he'll score at least five or six touchdowns this year. So I think he has the same problem as Andre Johnson's had the last few years in Houston where he just hasn't, you know, got those reliable um, red zone targets. Uh, the passes have, you know, been, been out of his, uh, out of his area. He can't really get to them. So, I mean, if you throw it to him, he's usually going to catch it. So the uncatchable balls, that's definitely a stat that Reagan brought up. And it's a good one, actually, when you think about it. Um, but I don't know. With, with Michael Floyd, the issue I have, I think, with Michael Floyd is he's starting to become a post-type sleeper to the point where uh, we're, we're all still waiting for him to blow up. But he, I think he's more of an ultimate boomer bust player than anything else. But if there's one guy that I, I want to – you know, get a, on, as, on as many teams as possible, it's going to be 
John Brown. And this kid, to me, I mean, I was infatuated with him last year when he came out. Obviously, uh, T.Y. Hilton clone. You know, he may not ever be as good as T.Y. Hilton, but I think he's definitely got, got the potential to be just as good. And I think he had over 100 targets last year as a rookie, which is pretty pretty amazing if you think about it. And he also, um, like you mentioned before, he's bulked up in the in the offseason, added 10 pounds. So hopefully that 10 pounds is 10 pounds of muscle, and this kid's going to come out ready to play. But um, I think he's the guy to watch in that offense and invest, especially in Dynasty, invest as many shares as you can in John Brown. And uh, I, I like his nickname, too, by the way, Smokey Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, I think your Fitzgerald point about, you know, he's, he, he has to have more touchdowns, even if, you know, Palmer only plays 12, 13 games. I feel like two touchdowns is, is like a bare minimum for him. And uh, to, to John Brown, you know, that 100 targets is pretty impressive for a guy that, you know, that, that's, that's a deep threat. It's going to take the top off the – off the defense and and to get that many targets is is a pretty pretty nice thing to see especially in his first season. Kyle, the the target distribution was 103 for Fitz, 102 for John Brown and 98 for uh for Michael Floyd. So it was pretty even across the board. I mean, even with sketchy quarterback play, the 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 targets were pretty darn even right across the board. Yeah. And as a rookie, that's really nice to see. Um Let's try and make a make sense of this backfield because Andre Ellington was a guy last year that you know everybody was really high on and thought a lot of and you know he was going as high as the third or fourth round in in a lot of redraft type leagues, um, you know and then they bring in David Johnson this off season and and uh, you know he's got a lot of potential I, I like him more as a pass catcher personally but. You know, uh, Ron, I'll let you start. Where are you at with this running game? Do you think they're, you know, uh, what are your thoughts on Ellington and Johnson? Well, I still go back, going back to Carson Palmer, as long as he's under center. I, I like, I like the running backs, and I think they're gonna, they're gonna be able to do a lot of things, and they're gonna be able to swing these guys out. I mean, obviously, Ellington and, and David Johnson, the rookie, are both great pass catchers out of the backfield, and, and they can definitely take, take it to the house, you know. If, but, I mean, Ellington was playing hurt all year last year, you know, and one of the most important things for a running back is, is the ankles and, and the feet. So he was playing with a foot injury all year long, and he gutted it out. So I, got, I think a lot of people were going to downgrade him based off last year's numbers, his uh, yards per carry, 3.3 yards per carry, not, not, a, not at all close to where it should be. Um, but a lot of that, again, falls on, you know, the fact that they – I think they used him too much last year and also losing Carson Palmer you know he, his numbers went down obviously after that because they became kind of more one-dimensional as an offense and, and um, I mean if you're playing in a PPR league I think both these guys running backs are good targets and I think Ellington you might you'll probably be able to get him at a, at a discounted rate this year and I think he may become somewhat of a value um, based off of a lot of owners out there just kind of shying away because of the bad year last year so I'm one of the guys that's going to go out there and try to try to get him. If I can get him in the fifth, sixth round, or or even later than that, if he falls, I'm going to snatch him right up because, you know, the the upside he possesses, you know. And uh, David Johnson is going to take the pressure off him, keep him fresh. And I'm just curious to see what the split is between these two guys. That's the one thing that I'm really going to be watching closely um, as an owner, you know. 
Yeah, Regan. So, so what are your thoughts? You know, as someone who watches the Cardinals on a on a consistent basis, I mean, do you do you think it's going to be kind of a split job where they both carry it, or do you think one guy will emerge and, and be the feature back? Well, I I think uh, we we know enough about Bruce Arians to know that whoever's hot is going to be the one that's on the field. Um, now that being said, uh, I went to training camp multiple times last year i got to see the team up close multiple times because now training camp is just held at the stadium which is you know 10 minutes from my house so i get out there as much as i can now and uh andre ellington was hurt all year he was hurt from training camp on that foot bothered him and you could see it bothered him he couldn't cut he couldn't slash he couldn't move he wasn't as quick it and that's where it fell now all reports um Guys I know, guys I've talked to, even uh, the, the 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 team reporters, things like that, they're all saying he's 100% healthy this year. He's back to the Ellington of two years ago. So this is what we're looking at. Now, David Johnson, you look at him, everybody says Ellington 2.0 plus because they say he's a better pass catcher than Andre Ellington is. And they said um, some of the guys who got to go to the OTAs that I've talked to, they've said that, he looks like he should be out playing with the wide receivers. He's that natural and that good of a receiver that there were times at OTAs where he was the best wide receiver on the field, not the best running back. He was the best wide receiver on the field. Wow. And that's, you know, with, with, with that wide receiver core that Arizona has, yeah. David Johnson was the best receiver on the field. Um, I, I think it's Andre Johnson's job. I think the the thought that everybody thought was, yes, Bruce Arians is going to draft a banger to go with him, the old Thunder and Lightning, Jerome Bettis, Willie Parker. He didn't want that. He wants to keep Ellington fresh, and he brought in an Ellington clone. So the offense never skips a beat. There's not going to be a change. When, when Ellington is tired, he comes off the field, David Johnson goes in. Nothing changes. You can't scheme or plan for somebody else. Like, you know, oh, Stephon Taylor's coming in. You know, they're going to pass because he's a decent blocker. Or Marion Grice is coming in. They're going for the one-yard gain. David Johnson comes in. They can run the same play they ran the play before, and it's going to work almost exactly the same. Now, I think those two guys that I just mentioned, those are going to be your short yardage guys, your bangers. Um, you'll see Stephon Taylor in on third downs on obvious passing plays because Stephon Taylor is the best blocker. He's one of the best blocking running backs in the league. Um, Marion Grice, by default, is the banger <laughs> because he's probably got five extra pounds on everybody else. That's about it. So um, by default, Marion Grice is probably going to get the goal line carries. Obviously, we might what, we'll, what we might do is rehash this show after training camp, and I can give you guys a little bit better report after I see a few practices and stuff like that. Um, but from, from just from the things I've heard in the OTAs and the things I've read from, from some of the, uh, the, the team reporters and things like that, this is what we're looking at as of right now. Yeah. And that's definitely something I'd like to, I want to have you back on as, as the draft season or as the, uh, season approaches so we can, you know, kind of fix some stuff that we, we thought was going to happen or, or kind of update our listeners on, on what we're learning and, yeah, the one thing I noticed when I was doing all the, you know, my draft prep was David Johnson's ability to catch the ball and, you know, he would, he looked like a wide receiver making plays and he was almost a guy I was like, why, I don't understand why he's playing running back because as a true like runner, he wasn't as impressive to me, but when he was like, you know, lined up out of the back, uh, lined up wide or, or just catching balls out of the backfield, um, you know, he was very impressive. The other thing I like the Cardinals did is they added Mike Iapati, so him and Valdir on the left-hand side, I mean, 
that's going to be a side that mauls defenses and, and it's going to open up a lot for the running back. So, you know, that protection alone could be a lot. Another year for Jonathan Cooper could be, you know, so this could be an offensive line that, that improves significantly um, from last season to this season. Um, let's talk, let's talk a little tight end and, uh, you know, Regan, I'll let, I'll let you start. I mean, uh, Troy Nicholas is a kind of guy, a guy I kind of like coming out of Notre Dame. Um, they have Darren Fells. I mean, is there anything interesting there to you or is it something where the, the receivers are so talented that, that a true pass catching tight end is going to be hard to come by? Well, every, every time, uh, every year I live tweet my, uh, my training camp when I'm there and um Darren Fells was my most impressive tight end last year in training camp and I had mentioned him as a possible deep 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 sleeper obviously in a Bruce Arians offense it's a deep sleep um, <laughs> but, but uh, uh, he I I believe he's going to emerge a starter I Troy Nicholas to me um waste of a second round pick um Cardinals are notorious for blowing second rounders and there's another one to me uh, he's he's got blocking tight end written all over him, and I'm sorry I don't draft blocking tight ends in the second round. Uh, so by all means, to me, um, Darren Fells is our starter. Not that he's draftable, not that he's going to be a serviceable fantasy football tight end, but uh, that's the guy you're looking at as a starter in, in Arizona. He made some amazing amazing acrobatic catches in training camp in preseason in the few times where he got on the field he made a couple nice catches in the actual regular season last year too that's the guy that's going to be the starter i believe he's very talented you know daniel fells is his brother so he's got a lineage he's a college basketball player so you know that 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 transition is is kind of the new trend in the NFL is going from college basketball player to NFL tight end. And this is another one in that line. He's a very athletic, big dude that just, he can just play. Well, let's make a transition now to, you know, from your team by near neck of the woods, to the team in my neck of the woods. And let's talk a little San Francisco 49ers and boo. Oh, no, we're going to go back to more Cardinals talk. We'll be, uh, that's all we got time for tonight. Um, no, but seriously, uh, let's talk some Niners. Let's talk, uh, you know, kind of what to expect from them. And, and let's start with the quarterback position once again, because I, I feel like a lot of their value, especially when it comes in, in terms of the receivers and the pass catchers, is going to come from Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, he's a guy that, that is just kind of not really done what, what a lot of people thought he could be. And, you know, early in his career, he, he, he did a, you know, he showed the legs and show, oh, maybe this guy can be, you know, not really Michael Vick, but, but close. And, you know, a guy who can get fantasy owners a ton of points with his legs and, you know, rush for, you know, five, six, seven touchdowns and, and be a, be a guy that flirts with the back end of the top 10 because of what he can do with his legs. But, you know, he's kind of never really done that. Uh, Ron, I'll let you start. Kind of where are you at with Kaepernick and, and what are your thoughts on him for this season? Oh, I've always had a man crush on Kaepernick. I'll admit it to you guys. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, I think we all got spoiled uh, two years ago, the game against uh, Green Bay in the, in the playoffs where he just kind of blew up and uh, broke out in that game. And, you know, the read option, that's the big question. You know, are they going to be running any read option? I mean, obviously we've got new coordinators, new head coach, so I think a lot's going to change in San Francisco. But I have been reading a lot of positive reports uh, as far as 
Kaepernick working with his mechanics and also that he's looking like a, a different quarterback, and that's coming from some of the players. I know Vernon Davis was one that said that. Um, so he's trying to change his um, mechanics and I think the delivery. Um, and there's no doubt that Kaepernick can throw the football, um, and that's never been a question. We all know he can run the football. So I'm just curious to see, you know, with these new pieces in place, um, how long it takes him to kind of gel with these guys and build some chemistry with them. And if that doesn't take that long, I think Kaepernick may have his best season yet as a pro. Um, but he definitely has to become more of a pocket passer um, to succeed and never reach the the high expectations I think everybody's set for this guy. Um, and I think that's going to be, you know, the determining factor on whether or not he takes that next step forward. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, he's he's got – you know, all the right pieces in place. And I think the coaching staff is there for him now. And in a way, I kind of think that um, Jim Harbaugh kind of held him back in the past. So with his, with his offense. So, um, you know, I, I'm optimistic, you know, I'm not going to depend on him as my QB one in any leagues. Um, but I would definitely take a flyer on, or I'll definitely use him as a, you know, backup quarterback, a good QB two, or if you're in a two quarterback league, he's definitely a great target. Yeah, I know he spent some time down in Arizona with Kurt Warner and was trying to, you know, have him teach him a few things. And, you know, I'm curious to see. I think he might be a good person to pair with Carson Palmer as a, you know, keep Carson as your number one guy and, and then potentially Kaepernick as that wild card. Uh, Regan, what do you think about Kaepernick? Um, I know Mikey Apati is now down in Arizona and, uh, you know, Anthony Davis is former left tackle just retired so so are you worried about the offensive line in front of him and, and what just kind of general thoughts on Kaepernick are, are we sure he hasn't retired yet <laughs> not sure uh just we we do check, I, ha- I haven't check checked the 49ers feed and see yeah. if anybody's retired as we've been talking let me uh yes actually uh the owner and uh well that would probably be the best thing for them yeah right um, no you know <laughs> I don't like a Greg Roman offense, um, so you've got a talented, a talented, strong-armed uh, uh, running quarterback from a shotgun system, and you put him in a run-heavy offense. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I, I, I believe you're holding the guy back, and and to me, here for one will be a make-or-break year for Colin. Great things from um, from him working with Kurt Warner uh, this off season from from some of the people who saw that down here in Arizona, and I, I, I to me I think that the loss of the offensive line guys may actually help him fantasy wise because there might be more apt for him to scramble. There might be more situations and more opportunities where now he's a scrambling running quarterback and he gets to use those legs and you're going to get some added fantasy added fantasy points from him running. Um I think that they were trying so hard to make him a pop uh Greg Roman and 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 Jim Harbaugh that uh you know there might have been a lot going on there. I mean, you got a guy who's exclusively played a pistol offense and you're trying to teach him. It's kind of like when Alex Smith first came into the league. You know, uh, if you remember Alex Smith, Alex Smith was a shotgun quarterback from Utah. He never, ever, he didn't take a single snap in college football under center. Not one. Neither did Pernick. And you got this, and all of a 
trying to learn, teach him these things. And that's a lot of things to throw at, you know, what really basically is a young kid. You know, you're throwing all this stuff at this young kid saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Let the kid play. You yeah. Know? The guy's got talent, man. He's got talent. He's got a gun for an arm. Get him some wide receivers that are going to split the defense, break open the top off that defense, let him unload that cannon, and let him use his legs to make some plays. And I think that's more what we're going to see this year. For one, I believe, from all the defections on defense, I believe they're going to be down a lot this year. So, for you know, for one, we're going to see a lot more of him passing and aiming in these, in these come-from-behind games and things like that. This is probably the year to jump on board of Colin Kaepernick as a fantasy football quarterback because he's got a lot more potential just based on what's happened to the team. He's got a ton more potential to to actually score some points this year. Let him unleash the kid, man. Let him let him loose. Yeah, I know uh, firsthand that that Jim Harbaugh, you know, would would hold Kaepernick back, and it was kind of a well, let's get into the playoffs before we unleash his legs. So it might be something that they're more willing to to open up this year. Um, and I also was reading on, on Bleacher Report they were talking about the Niners' offensive line, and and basically they were saying that that Iapati allowed seven sacks last year, and. Um, you know, they're basically moving uh, Alex Boone from the right side to the left side, and they're putting a new guy uh, out on the right tackle. And neither have, you know, allowed a, more than four sacks in a single season. So maybe, you know, the offensive line will, will be a little bit better in terms of pass protection um, with all the retirements on defense. Um, you know, you watch, they, that, you watch that mouth about your potty. You watch that last month. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll you get to watch the turnstile. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, let's, and let's talk about the offense because, you know, not only did they, you know, change the offensive style, but they gave Kaepernick a new weapon in Torrey Smith, which I think maybe not for Torrey Smith's value, but for Kaepernick's value might might help this year because I feel like Smith's a guy that's going to do what a lot of he did for Joe Flacco, which is, you know, run the deep ball, run, run, you know, open up the offense, use the deep ball, and then have, you know, you know, Vernon Davis and, and Anquan Bolden, you know, have a lot more opportunities underneath. I mean, Vernon Davis is a guy that only had 50 targets last year. He's usually a guy that catches between 50 and 60 balls. So to, to basically have his, have his catches cut in half, I mean, that, I don't see that something that, that's gonna stay, stay consistent. So, Ron, uh, I'll let you start. Kind of, what are your thoughts on the Niners' pass catchers, and where you know, like who do you who do you like the most? Well, just circling back, I think what uh, Regan just said makes a lot of sense with them finally unleashing um, Colin Kaepernick. And if they do that, you know, Torrey Smith's the excellent, you know, he, he's the, he's he's the number one option to take the top off that defense, and we know that's his game. You know, is is a deep ball. And if Kaepernick can, everything else breaks down. And, and I think if they run a lot of those those um, routes for uh, Torrey Smith, I think this guy could he could score anywhere from eight to ten touchdowns this year. I know a lot of people might be a little bullish on him, but you know, I think the transition from Baltimore to San Francisco is going to be a smooth one for Torrey Smith. And I think you know with Kaepernick's cannon, you know I think the, the sky's the limit with this guy. So, and I do agree with uh, Regan as far as the. They're going to be down in a lot of games. They're going to need to pass the football. And that's when, you know, garbage points in fantasy are, are, are points. So, I mean, we'll take them any way we can get them as, as uh, owners. 
So, you know, we know what we're going to get from uh, Bolden. You know, he's a, a true vet. You know, he, he knows exactly what to do. Um, he's a lot good locker room presence. So, you know, this is going to be a guy that maybe Torrey Smith can learn something from, you know, um, and improve on, on his game and his deficiencies. So, you know, I really, looking at the the depth chart, I really like what I see um, as far as their past catchers in San Francisco. we got, you know, like I said, Bolden, Smith. I think the real question mark is going to be that um, third wide receiver position and who, who that guy is going to be. Is it going to be Bruce Ellington? Is he going to emerge? Or is it going to be Quinn Padden or one of these other guys? So um, I think the number one and number two spots are locked down, and it's just a, a question of who's going to emerge from there. But, um, I mean, Kaepernick's definitely got plenty of weapons at his disposal this year. And I definitely think he has an upgrade um, for pass-catching receivers this year. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Smith and Bolden have proven they could work together in Baltimore and, you know, reuniting in, in San Francisco it might be a really uh, nice thing. Regan, what do you think about the Niners pass catchers, and, and is there any guys that are interesting to you um, beyond just Torrey Smith and Anquan Bolden? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, do think that, I, I do think that, like you said, uh, um, Vernon Davis can have a nice bounce back year also because I, I think adding Torrey Smith, Torrey Smith is going to bring to that offense what Michael Crabtree was supposed to and didn't, um, just, just just like Ron said. Um, he Now they've got the guy that can take the top off the defense. Some of those young guys can too. Uh, Bruce Ellington and Quentin Patton are both burners. They can both do that too. But Torrey, Ell- or Torrey Ellington, Torrey Smith is proof that can do it. Um, and I think the main benefit, the, the, the two people that are going to benefit the most from that is, is Anquan Bolden and Vernon Davis. I, I do believe it will have a lot of dump off, a lot of mid range stuff over the middle stuff. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, Anquan Bolden is, is my favorite offensive player of all time. Um, the guy is, he, it, 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 God, it kills me to see him in a 49ers uniform. <laughs> but, um, I mean, uh, he literally broke his face for you guys. It, well, exactly. Yeah. So, you, you, and you see Torrey Smith. When Torrey Smith lost Anquan Bolden and got Steve Smith in there, and look at the, 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 the polar opposites. Um, Steve Smith is all about me, 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 me. And Anquan Bolden is, hey, I, I, I will die for the team. You know, and literally, I mean, he got his his face smashed off. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think we'll see a renaissance for Torrey Smith, especially because are, are we losing much in, in in arm strength with with Colin Kaepernick to Joe Flacco? Really? No, I, I mean think... they're probably two of the biggest guns in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think... mean. They... Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was, <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, yeah, like. Flacco, Flacco and uh, Kaepernick have two of the best deep balls in the NFL, and you know their offense could look very similar to what the Ravens had a couple of years ago with Flacco and Bolden and, and Torrey Smith. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. Um, you'll have a lot of the over the middle stuff. You know, the the middle going to be open with a guy with a proven guy hits the ball. Um, Torrey Smith is bringing, like I said, bringing to that what Crabtree was supposed to and didn't. So. You know, and like I said, they're going to be down a lot. So you're going to have guys on that team. You, I, it's going to be a guessing game, but you're going to have guys on that team that on any given night are going to have 10, 12, 13 catches, you know, d- depending on if they're down in a football game or not. Uh, um, you, you know, so it, 
it is going to be a, a roulette wheel, basically. It's going to be a guessing game on who, who could do it, uh, you know, based off, off three guys, you know, off of Smith, off of Anquan Bolden, off of Vernon Davis. But, I mean, I can see it happening. I can see some offensive explosions in that game, you know, from, you know, like Kaepernick two years ago when he was throwing for 400 yards a game. Uh, before, as we wrap up the receivers, I kind of want to mention uh, DeAndre White and Drez Anderson are two guys that, um, you know, they were they were undrafted, but they're both making a lot of noise in camp. And, you know, for I wouldn't recommend them for redraft by any means. But, uh, you know, if you're playing in dynasty leagues and you're, you're, you don't really know where to go with your, you know, you're doing a startup or or you're in your rookie draft and you're kind of like, I don't know where to take my wild cards. Um, those are two guys that I would definitely uh, definitely consider. Um, you know, Des Anderson, his dad, Flipper Anderson, played in the NFL and and DeAndre love him. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got that any of NFL lineage and, and he was actually a guy who was supposed to go third, fourth, fifth round somewhere in there. Um, but had injuries late in the end of his, uh, his final year at Utah. So kind of forced him out. And, but, uh, you know, and DeAndre Smelter is actually a guy who will probably redshirt all year for the Niners. But, um, you know, dynasty owners definitely keep an eye on him because he could be a star in a couple of years. Uh, I love that guy, man. I, I just want to add one more name to the mix since you're giving all the goodies out. Uh, <laughs> it's too bad Smelter's got to sit out a year, but uh, red shirt, right? Yeah. Uh, Rory Rory Anderson, which is uh, he's a guy to keep your uh, just it's a name to throw it out there. Tight end um, they drafted late uh, from the University of South Carolina, so they, they seem to like their Gamecocks, you know, with Ellington. Uh, Anderson, obviously Mike Davis, which I'm sure we're going to get to in a little bit, but, uh, this guy, Thompson. exactly. The list goes on and on, but I really like this guy as a deep sleeper. And, and as far as dynasty, he's one of those guys you take a flyer on. Uh, he may not have a chance this year, but watch out, you know, cause, uh, Vernon Davis is not getting any younger. <laughs> well, yeah. And Vernon Davis actually is, I think this is his final year on his contract, so he could be gone and, um, they've constantly waited for Vance McDonald and these other guys to kind of step up in that, uh, you know, backup tight end role. So, you know, you know, uh, Rory Anderson's interesting and Blake Bell, a converted quarterback is also interesting to me as a, you know, deep sleeper at tight end that, that could be, that could make a lot of noise. Uh, let's, you know, you referenced Mike Davis. So let's talk running back. Let's talk Carlos Hyde, who, you know, I've heard everywhere from he should be, you know, one of the top, you know, 10 or 12 backs to I can't believe people are taking him as high as he's going to, you know, you know, all everything in between. So um, I will, uh, Regan, I'll let you start kind of where are you at with with Carlos Hyde and, and what are your expectations for him this year? Um, This is one of the backfields that I stay away from when I'm drafting because in, in in my main league that I play, Carlos Hyde was our number one rookie pick last year. Somebody took him first overall last year. Um, and it blew my mind because one, Frank Gore was there. I never, I, I, I didn't think the 49ers would let Frank Gore go. And to me, Carlos Hyde showed flashes and then he showed typical rookie stuff. But then why take Mike Davis the next year? Uh, I, he didn't seem to me like he was going to step up and take that job. And then, and then they go out and draft another running back. Um, and decently high, you know, and I don't know. It, this is one of the backfields that I stay away from. I just, I'm, no, I just, I, I don't want anything to do with it. There's no clear defined role. Uh, once training camp goes through, maybe it's a little bit different story, but as of right now, if I'm drafting, I don't, 
unless it's a value late, no, I, I don't want anything to do with them because who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, well, for for me, and I am a little biased because I am a huge Ohio State fan, and I love Carlos Hyde from his time there, but last year they were the th- third most rushing yards in the NFL, and, and they were one of the, you know, the best running teams, and I, you know, it's hard to assume because they're, of all the different changes, you know, what exactly their offense could look like, so to your point, you know, it's kind of one of those things that I feel like either you're going to take him and it's going to be a complete waste and you're going to be, why did I do it? Or you're going to get him late enough where it's going to be like, oh my God, this guy can be, you know, a top 10 back that, that produces that the Niners kind of lean on and then, um, you know, utilize a ton. Uh, Ron, what do you think about Hyde? And do you, you know, you, we talked about a little bit about Dynasty. You know, is Mike Davis somebody interests you uh, in terms of Dynasty? Oh, well, I'll answer the first question first as far as Hyde. And for the record, I am not high on Hyde. <laughs> and, and that's, I'm even, uh, I'm probably not as big as Ohio State fan as Kyle is, but I, I definitely am an Ohio State fan. And, and I liked him in college a lot. I think the, the main reason I'm kind of scared away from Hyde, and I do want to see him do good in, in, in uh, San Francisco this year, but in the back of my head, I'm probably not going to own this guy based off his ADP, his current ADP, which is around the third, fourth round. And I just feel like there's so many other running backs that are a lot safer that you can get, go out and get, and you're not taking as big as a risk as you are with Hyde. And I, I guess the other issue I have is, you know, if I'm in a PPR league, is drafting this guy that high when he's not really a pass-catching running back. So can he improve? Um, can, can he, you know, catch 20, 25 passes this year? You know, that that's the big question mark I would have if you're drafting in a PPR league. So I would kind of shy away from him just based off his ADP, and I just feel like he is being a little overvalued right now, and that, that's the main concern I have. The second question as far as Mike Davis, that is the guy I want to own. I've pretty much basically drafted him in about every dynasty league so far, or if I haven't drafted him, I've traded for him because I, I just have this feeling in the back of my head that uh, something's going to happen to Hyde, and, and this guy's going to work his way in and – you know, in 2013, Mike Davis had one of the best years for running back. Uh, and if he had come out that year, if he was eligible, he would have been probably a top five running back in last year's draft class, which may not say much based off the guys that were in the class, Andre Williams, Stanky, um, those guys. But <laughs> Stanky's a good way to put it. I love it. <laughs> but with, in all seriousness, um, this is a guy that I think is a, is a sleeper and – I definitely want. I definitely would take a shot on him, and I want to own him because, you know, he's the type of running back that can pretty much do it all. He's a bowling ball out there. He runs over the defenders. You know, he just runs, a, you know, with a fire and determination, and that's the type of running back that um, is going to get playing time. And I think he's mad. He's pissed off about um, having a bad year last year, but he was banged up. He had injuries. So I think the main thing is for him to get in top shape, which he was at his pro day. And um, if he's in tip-top shape and the injuries are, are all, you know, a thing of the past, I think this guy is definitely a guy to watch out for. And I'm not saying he's going to, you know, he might be one of those guys that might not get a shot till halfway through, the, midway through the season. But, you know, he can make that Zach Stacy type impact uh, from a couple of years ago if he's given that opportunity. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield, something that Carlos Hyde cannot do. He has good hands, and that's another reason why I really love this kid. So, I guess I can't toot his horn enough, and I guess, for the record, uh, I guess I'm ready to have Mike Davis's baby. 
<laughs> my, well, my, can I say something real quick? Absolutely. So my my main concern with their offense is is you have a a, a guy who's a first time coordinator after being in the league for so long, Jeep Christ. Um, he was actually he's been the Cardinals quarterbacks coach on two separate occasions. Um, so I got I I know of him a little bit. The the young hot coordinators are the ones that I don't mind if uh, if you've been an offensive coordinator if you've never been an offensive coordinator before I, I tend to worry about the guys who have been a career coach in the NFL and you've never gotten that shot at being at, at that promotion um, it, why is it that you've never become an offensive coordinator until now kind of in desperation mode because he was not Jim Tom Sula's first first choice I mean Tom Sula got turned down by 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 a lot of different position coaches from other teams that did not want a shot at at being the offensive <laughs> coordinator, and they rather they decided to stay with their teams. Um, that worries me, and, and and the concern is that worries me for the running game, obviously more than the passing game because the passing game is a passing game, and if you're down in a game, you're going to throw the ball. Can you establish a run? Can you establish the run game? Um, and that that's. That's the things that I think about when I think about this offense and I think about the running game is, I mean, you've got an old, an older guy who's, who's, he, he's a career position coach. Why weren't you ever a coordinator until now? Um, that, that's a question I, 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 I always ask when I see stuff like this. And that worries me about run games because it's hard to establish a run game in the NFL. We all know that. Um, there's very few teams that have successful run games and it, it, things like, Things like that worry me um, when, when I think about those running backs. Yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, you assume that, okay, well, if no one, you know, Adam Gase is passing and this guy's passing and that guy's passing, you know, it's kind of a desperation move. And this guy's like, I'm not going to get a shot. So I'm going to take my chance. I'm going to hope this works out. I'm going to be with a guy who, you know, Jim Tom Sula could be a one and done coach. Like that could easily happen. They could clean house the whole coaching staff again next year. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, you kind of are banking on hoping that they they can figure it out in one season or else, you know, who knows what next year could look like, especially with Jed York running the show. But, uh, you know, uh, that's definitely something a fantasy owner should take into account when when heading into drafts. Maybe he'll have beginner's luck, though, too, right? Oh, <laughs> cross your fingers and drop Wish Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Uh, well, and let's head up north. Let's talk about, uh, you know, a, a rivalry that I think is going to shift now. I, I, Niners and uh, the Seattle Seahawks were, were bit of rivals there for a while. And, you know, with the Niners kind of going to the toilet, I think uh, I think the Arizona Cardinals might might take their spot. But um, let's talk a little Seahawks. And I want to... Oh, yeah, sorry, hey, I'll, sorry. I'll boo, I'll boo, I'll be right there, boo. Uh, yeah, so I'm... I'm <laughs> Let's talk about Russell Wilson. Let's talk about him. Um, and, you know, we all know he's he's a good quarterback. He's a guy who can make the plays. He can, um, you know, he's obviously already won a Super Bowl. So let, let's talk Wilson. But I want to talk from a bigger picture. You know, kind of where do you guys have him in terms of overall quarterbacks? Do you think he's a guy that can be in that top three, top five um, this season? Reagan, I'll let you start. Uh, no. Not this year. Uh, what I'm worried about is his for, – for number one, number one is his contract situation. Obviously, he's sending out tweets. He's making this thing public. He's kind of mad. He's pissed off, you know. Um, 
this is first and foremost. His mind isn't on football right now. His mind is on that contract because you don't do petty stuff like that. You don't you don't make stuff public. Um, and if this doesn't get done before training camp, before preseason, before the season starts, you got a guy who's got something on his mind while he's playing. And this might, you know, hey, this might be my Cardinals opportunity. Hey, by all means, for me, do not sign that contract. You know, yeah. but um, it, it, to, I don't think he – I know we brought in Jimmy Graham, but I don't yet think he has the weapons to help him make that step. Um, history shows fantasy football, you got a quarterback, he needs the weapons to get into that top five-ish quarter, you know, for, for quarterbacks. You got to have someone to throw to. And I'm sorry, Doug Baldwin and Ricardo Lockett are, are, are not cutting it. Um, obviously, like I said, Jimmy Graham is there. You know, we'll see if they can use him correctly because, you know, they haven't been able to use a tight end that well, except for against the Cardinals. who can't cover <laughs> tight ends. Um, they have not. But they have Dayon Buchanan. He'll be good, right? Yeah. Well, he will be. Yes. Uh, but, I'm not ready to put him in the top five yet. Just, just not, not yet. Just with the whole contract situation, the the weapons that he has, no, not yet. And what about you, Ron? Where where are you at with Wilson, and and what are your thoughts on him for this season? Well, I'm actually going to have to. I'm on the other side of the fence here with Wilson. I believe it. If he's if the contract issue doesn't get cleared up, I think this guy's going to be playing pissed off, and I think he's going to want to try and make th- more things happen in this offense with his arm. And we all know what he can do with his legs. And, you know, the thing that makes Russell Wilson so good is that he is a dual-threat quarterback, but he's always looking to pass before, you know, run. So when everything else breaks down, you know, that's when this guy scrambles. And, you know, he's he's pretty elusive for his size. Um, you know, he, he knows how to get out of bounds. He knows how to slide, unlike RG3. So I mean this this guy <laughs> to me I mean I think that the Jimmy Graham signing was the missing piece for this team and I think they're going to take the next step forward and I think maybe we'll see for the first time as a pro Russell Wilson kind of get the training wheels taken off and kind of let him yeah it's a run based offense run heavy offense but I just I think I just have a feeling in the back of my head this is the year that they're going to pass the ball a bit more than they have um, ever before, and with Jimmy Graham coming over, they finally have that that big target, you know, as a wide receiver. I mean, in the past years, they've only had, you know, Golden Tate, and Percy Harvin, who, you know, can't stay on the field, had a migraine every every week, and he's never out there. So, I mean, it's just been a miscast of characters, you know, in, in the as far as wide receivers goes for Russell Wilson to deal with. So, I think this is the year that he takes that step forward and. Hey, if he's playing pissed off, I think he's just going to play that much better. And you guys know as well as everybody else knows, I mean, when you're playing for a contract, when you're playing, you're in a contract year, those are the kind of guys I want to target on my fantasy roster. I mean, those are the guys that have got something to, to win. they got something to lose, you know. They, they want that contract. They want to, you know, play as good as they can and leave it all out in the field. So, you know, I, I like Wilson this year a lot. Um, I would definitely have him in the, in the top five um you know, I'm not going to say he's top three, but I'll say he should be fourth or fifth, um, definitely in the top five this year. Yeah, for me, I'm curious because I think I'm kind of in between both you guys where I feel like Jimmy Graham's the best pass catcher he's ever had. 
I feel like the trades they're making and the moves they're making are saying we're going to give Wilson a lot more control, uh, a lot more responsibility on offense, and he's going to throw it a heck of a lot more. But I also see them about to sign him for a hundred plus million dollar deal, and I wonder if they do a little what the Niners did with Kaepernick, where they put the reins on the running ability. And yes, like you said, he's a lot smarter than Cap, uh, Kaepernick and RG3. He knows how to get down, he knows how to get out of bounds, avoid the big hits, but, you know, he's a guy that averages, you know, around five yards a carry, uh, in his first two seasons, went up to almost seven a little over seven last year. He also ran the ball like almost 30 more times. So, you know, I could see them, you know, especially like the designed runs going away. You know, he's obviously going to scramble and, and do what he does because that's what makes him special. And But I think they'll be like, you know, more times than not, you need to throw down the field or throw it out of bounds. You know, you know, don't we don't need you running for three, four, five yards. We need you either throwing it or, or not throwing it because you need to stay healthy and you need to avoid the big hit. Um Let's, let's, let's transition to his pass catchers and, you know, we talked Jimmy Graham and, you know, we, I think there was a lot of backlash when Jimmy Graham went there, but I, I don't know about you guys and, and Ron, I'll let you start, you know, kind of where are you at with Jimmy Graham this year and, and are you as, are you as concerned as, you know, some people were initially, initially were with, uh, with Graham making a transition to Seattle? I think initially, yeah, I was. And then I kind of took a second look at, Look at Jimmy Graham in, in the offense and everything in general. And I think this guy's going to – the targets are going to go down, but I think that's not necessarily a bad thing because I think inside the red zone, he's going to be the number one target, and that's who Russell Wilson's going to look to uh, more often than not. So I think the touchdowns are going to rise this year, and I think he'll have a bounce-back year. So I'm not expecting any more than, say, 80 receptions tops. And like I said, I think the targets will be down a little bit from what he had in, in uh, New Orleans. But I, the touchdowns, they have to go up. I mean, there's just no way that they don't go up. And, um, you know, he's going to be dependent upon to, to be the go-to guy in that offense. So I don't see any reason why he won't step up and be that guy. And, and like you said with Russell Wilson, this contract thing, I just have a feeling they're going to throw the ball more, and that's going to lead to more passes going Jimmy Graham's way, you know. And what about you, Regan? Where where are you at with uh, Jimmy Graham for this season? Well, I, I'm 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 in a situation where I'm an owner of Jimmy Graham in a few leagues, and I've actually dangled him and have not gotten any offers or just garbage offers, uh, just to, just to see what I could get. Because uh, a, a couple of the, my leagues, I'm I'm pretty tight end heavy, so but. I, I do agree that I think he's now going to be the primary red zone target, and I think his 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 overall uh, touchdowns will increase. It wouldn't surprise me to see him lead the league in touchdowns, actually. Um, but overall, are they going to use him correctly? Uh, that's that's the thing. Can they can they implement him? Are they going to put too much onto it, or are teams going to focus on that, knowing that uh, you know knowing that he's there, and they're going to double him, put the safety over the top you know, yada, 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 and then some other guy like, say, Doug Baldwin explodes, and Doug Baldwin has a career year because of Jimmy Graham. Um, that's one of the things that more I look at is is which of those secondary guys are going to benefit from Graham being there, you know? And, and w- when you get this new toy, that that's that's the things I look at. I look deep, you know, deep into fantasy football like that, and, and who's going to benefit from Jimmy Graham being there? And to me, it's going to be more Doug Baldwin. I, I, I do believe, like I said, that Jimmy Graham could probably lead the league in touchdowns 
and may not may or may not clear 850 yards of receiving. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm curious because I think you know, with, especially the, with Julius Tam, Thomas going to Jacksonville, you know, I feel like Jimmy Graham is 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 the clear set, you know, in a clear tier by himself, right underneath Gronkowski, and I wonder, like, you know, yes, he's might not be as valuable, but at the same time, if he's that much better than every other tight end besides Gronkowski. Does that impre- does that like help bump him up a little bit and make him more interesting to you guys, or or are you just trying to look at him as kind of where he's going among all the players and and make tight end work with with guys that you can get at the end of drafts? Ron, uh, what do you think? Well, typically, you know, my my typically when I'm drafting, um, I usually wait on tight end anyway. That's just kind of the way my strategy works out. You and never wait on a tight end, Ron. Come on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you always load up on tight ends, Ron. You know that. Come yeah. On. No, but seriously, uh, Jimmy Graham's going in, what, the third round right now? So I, I guess if I was going to go early on a tight end um, and, and pull the trigger on one, I would probably go after Jimmy Graham as opposed to, you know, first-round draft pick on uh, on Gronk's going to be. I mean, you're, you're going to have to burn a first-round pick to get him. And then – it kind of seems like after Jimmy Graham, the rest of them don't even really interest me that much. So, I mean, again, if you're, if you're not getting Jimmy Graham or you're not getting drafting Gronk, you know, it's, it's just like there's a big drop-off from those top two guys. And I think Julius Thomas has dropped off even further going to Jacksonville. So I don't like that situation at all. Um, so, I mean, it just depends on my team and what what I'm looking for. But I would probably – pay the third round price to get Jimmy Graham based off the fact that he may lead the league in touchdowns. So, you know, another thing too, that I thought was interesting, I'll just note real quick is that Seahawks were one of the league's uh, least efficient teams in the red zone last year. And they only scored touchdowns on 51% of their visits inside the red zone. So I think that this comes back to the whole reason why they went out and got Jimmy Graham. That's why they're, that's, that's the way they're going to use him. That's he's a movable chess piece and he's going to be the guy their go-to guy in the red zone. So I think um, I think Regan's right in saying that, uh, you know, he can lead the league in touchdowns. And if he does, you know, what, what's a third-round draft pick if he scores as many touchdowns as Gronk did last year? Yeah, and I wonder, uh, you know, I wonder, like, what Regan was saying was other what other pass catchers could potentially benefit um you know, from him joining the offense, and he mentioned Doug Baldwin. Uh, what do you guys think about Chris Matthews? I mean, he's the guy that, that kind of exploded uh, in the Super Bowl, and other than that was never really used. Do you think that was just a pure, like, one-off coincidence, or or do you think if you feel like he's someone that we could potentially see, uh, you know, at points this season, especially if Jimmy Graham's taken all the defense to one side? I mean, he's a big physical guy. He could he could be interesting, especially in, in deeper leagues or as a dynasty target. Possibly, po- possibly, but um, you you can't have look look at Tampa. Look how they built the team. You can't have too many guys that are six foot four. I mean, yeah. you can never have enough of them. You know, right. six four, six five, big giant receivers. Um, obviously, they're making an emphasis on improving on the in the red zone. Um, they, you know, to to put it bluntly, they got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. Yeah, because of their failure in the red zone, and you know you can say play calling whatever they decided to pass it, whatever the reason be- being, <laughs> they decided to pass it and they and they pass it to a little puny guy who got his can knocked off by a defensive back. Um, 
as the defensive back was taking away the ball. So now they're getting guys in there that they can toss the ball up to and go up and get the touchdown. You know, um, you you guys both said something something uh, earlier that it kind of kind of flicked me uh, when we we're talking about Jimmy Graham. It's just like you said, he's a tier below uh, Rob Gronkowski. Last year and the year before, they were they were in the same tier. Um, and then Ron saying that uh, now he's in the third round. Well, would you, would you love to have the the leading touchdown score in the league in the third round? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, even if he only has 850, 800, 850 yards receiving, um, yeah, if he's putting up 18, 19 touchdowns, you bet your you bet your you know what that I'm gonna have him in the third round. That is a that is value. That is the definition of value. Um, and and someone like that. Now, I've always been a Doug Baldwin fan. Um, I don't know why, but I just get hooked on some, certain guys. You know, certain guys I just like. Doug Baldwin's always been one of my guys. Um, and even though he's a Seahawk, uh, but yeah, Doug Baldwin, um, Chris Matthews, I, I, I've never liked Ricardo Lockett for some reason, but, um, those guys might benefit from this, you know, and just the threat of Jimmy Graham over the middle, uh, if, if you, you've obviously you've watched quite a bit of NFC West, you know, that for some reason, there's not a damn team in the NFC West that can cover a tight end for some reason. Um, no, that's why, that's why I wish when we're playing division games, we use our damn tight end because nobody can cover a tight end and then we don't throw to him. Um, but just the threat of him being there is going to open up the field. Uh, whether he's catching the ball or not, he's going to benefit that offense in general. I mean, that's, that's just the, the plain truth. I mean, that's, that's the flat, honest to God truth that he's going to benefit the entire offense. Yes. Um, and he's going to be a, a beast in the red zone. And that's that, but that's the joy of fantasy football is figuring out who the hell is going to benefit, which guy is going to benefit from him. Exactly. And I'll say one thing: the reason why Chris Matthews had such a good Super Bowl is because Revis Island was all over Doug Baldwin. <laughs> I mean, exactly. where else? Where else could they go with a ball? So, I guess I'm not really buying the whole Chris Matthews thing. But there are some other guys that I really like, and and I think Baldwin can have a really decent year this year. But I also think that. Tyler Lock is the, is like the wild card in this whole on this whole team, and I, I, this is a guy I want to go out and get. So I'm, I'm getting as many dynasty shares as I can, and I just have a feeling that he's going to be he's going to be up to speed a lot faster than people actually think he is in this offense, and he might actually be the, their wide receiver too. Not even five or six weeks into the season, so that's the guy I want to own. I know uh, somebody else may may also like him. <laughs> yeah, I'm a thousand percent on board with you. Um, and actually, uh, so our fake pigskin draft guide is uh, should be coming out this week, and I actually covered the Seahawks for that draft guide, and um, I don't remember if it was for the rookie or the sleeper, but I definitely talked a lot of Tyler Lockett. He's a guy I've loved since, ty- since his time at Kansas State. Yes, he's a little undersized, but he plays bigger than that. He's got fantastic hands, and he just gets it. He knows what how to run the routes. He knows where to be in the you know with the defense, find the soft spot in the zone, whatever it is. Like he knows how to make plays. And with Russell Wilson's ability to throw the ball down the field to find the guy who's open, I feel like Tyler Lockett. You know, he, he's a great dynasty target. He's a he's a guy I'm even willing to take. You know, towards the end of redraft leagues. Hope it works out. If I, you know, five, six, seven weeks, he's, I need, or if I need to drop him, you know, because I have so many injuries, like, I won't mind doing it 
but I'm going to grab him early because if he explodes right away, I want to be the one that says, see, I, I had him the whole time and, and I knew that was coming. Um, yeah. well, let's just, just so you know, that 2015 fake pigskin fantasy football draft guide comes out next Wednesday. And did anybody tell you guys that it's free? You know completely that, right? free this year. Completely. Not even partly. Completely. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, go, yeah, go to fakepigskin.com, and, and you can sign up there to receive the draft guide. Um, and, yeah, and tons of great content, rankings, uh, team previews. Regan, I mean, you can go down the list, but, I mean, there's so much good content that, that are going to help, you know, our listeners and help our readers, uh, you know, win their leagues, basically. Well, you, you know what? The nice thing is, is you got you got rankings for everything. We've got redraft rankings in both PPR and standard scoring. We've got dynasty rankings in both PPR and standard scoring. We're gonna have IDP rankings up the up the wazoo. We've got rookie rankings. We got four articles per team in every team preview. You've got a, the team overview. You've got a stud player, a rookie uh, player, and you've got a sleeper to look for. And I was looking at last year's, and man, like. 75% of the sleepers that that we talked about in last year's guide were hits. Yeah, uh, I was sleepers, not even rookies, just the sleepers, man. Wow. I mean, it was it's just just amazing because I was just looking over last year's just to kind of get stuff. Um but and then there's going to be special articles from longtime guys who who've been with us for a long time. Um just I mean it, it's free. I mean, who who cares what's in it? It's free. I mean, it's a it's a fantasy football draft guide that you don't have to go pay seven bucks for, or eight bucks for, or fifteen bucks for. I've seen people selling draft guides for fifteen bucks. Who the hell wants to buy pay fifteen bucks when you can get information for free? Um, it, it's all going to be there. Um, Adam and I are both actually making our uh, our, our uh, football writing debuts in the draft guide this year. We're co-covering the Cardinals this year. So yeah, so definitely uh, head to fakepigskin.com, check it out, and while you're there, check out all our great content. We've been loading the site with all kinds of preseason and, and draft content and you know everything you're going to need for your fantasy draft, no matter what format you play in. And you know, always hit us up on Twitter and, and let us know, you know, if you have questions or stuff you want us to cover, because we're always looking for, you know, new ideas or, or content to put out there. Um, and let's get back to the Seahawks a little bit. And cause we were talking, you know, Jimmy Graham, you know, has a lot of potential to, to be a huge touchdown guy. And, you know, they might get a little more passing game. So Ron, what are, what are we to expect of Marshawn Lynch and, and the Seahawks running game? Do you think it's still going to be, you know, status quo or, do you think we might see a little bit of a, a different view? I don't. I don't think it's gonna. There's gonna be that big of a difference. I think Lynch is gonna get his. They're still gonna depend on him to get the tough yards, and he's still gonna score double-digit touchdowns. So, I mean, he's probably one of, the, if not the safest running back to draft. I think in the first round this year, as there can, can possibly be. I mean, he's a, he's pretty much a slam dunk. There's no suspensions for this guy like Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you know what you're going to get from this guy, and he's just, I mean, he, he, the way he runs, I mean, there's just nobody else that runs the way he runs. He's just the most physical running back right now in the National Football League. And, you know, he got paid, so he got his money. Hopefully he just stays motivated, and I have no doubt that he will stay motivated, and he's going to have another great year. So I don't think there's going to be zero drop-off. I think expect the same type of season you got last year. Regan, what do you think? Is he still like, you know, top five running back that, that should produce and, and be the guy that, you know, fantasy owners have come to know? 
Absolutely. Um, un, un, unfortunately for, for me and to my dismay and to Cardinals fans' dismay, uh, everything that Ron said is absolutely true. It doesn't matter PPR. It doesn't matter standard. The guy's a beast. He's a top five running back in the league, both in real life and in fantasy football. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it pains me personally because I own so many damn shares of Christine Michael and I am still just waiting for that to pop. You know, it's going to happen is, is, is Christine Michael is going to be the Michael Turner. He's finally going to get out of that rookie deal and go sign with someone else and explode. But I'm going to have to wait four or five years for it. Dallas but Cowboys. Yeah. Um, Marshawn. Hey, 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 hey. I own I own Joseph Randall shares too. So, so <laughs> don't, don't 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 shit on my parade, pal. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, Derek McFadden might. <laughs> oh, he he. No, I ain't worried about him. And um, he's hurt. Yeah, Mar- yeah, Marshawn Lynch is. Yeah, I mean he's he's a top five running back in the league. You know, unfortunately, uh, that's 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 painful admittance from a Cardinals <laughs> fan. I mean, admitting he, is the first step. That's, that's um, yeah, he he he's a stud. He's a beast. He 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 can't be tackled. He's probably the most difficult guy in the entire foot in, in the entire NFL to tackle. I mean, he's just a monster. And let's. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the backups because you know we've been waiting for Christine Michael or Robert Turbin to to kind of do their thing, and Lynch has held on to it, but. You know, they got Thomas Rawls this year, um, out of the, he was under, undrafted, but ended up signing there. And I think he, he's a guy that I'm really high on. And, you know, he's a guy that might be the new, become the new, uh, you know, the new Christine Michael in Seattle and a guy dynasty owners need to target. Ron, I'll let you go. You know, are you interested in Thomas Rawls or are you still rolling with the, the Christine Michael, the Robert Turbin? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I still own a few Michael shares, I can't lie, but, you know, I'm just, like like all Michael owners, I mean, it's like, how long are we going to wait for this guy to get his shot? And as long as it I, I takes, think, Ron. <laughs> I know, but I'm a very impatient owner, and uh, at this point, I yeah, I am investing some shares in, in Thomas Rawls. I've actually drafted him in a couple dynasty leagues already, and uh, I think he's also one of Sigmund Bloom's favorite uh, uh, undrafted free agents. So, I mean, if Sigmund Bloom's tooting this guy's horn i mean we, we need to take note because this guy knows his stuff too and um you know he he really i think the main question mark for him is the off the field concerns and as long as he can stay out of trouble i think another good reason too to, to um draft this guy is you know if if he goes on the practice squad and he ends up um getting signed by someone else like say maybe dallas or one of these <laughs> other teams just you know snakes them off of their uh, practice squad. I mean, this guy could be a, a, a hidden gem. So um, he definitely runs runs with you know fire and determination. He's he's just a he doesn't he leaves it all in the field. So I, I like the way he runs and, and just watching his tape. I came away pretty uh pretty amazed with the with just the he looks like almost like a Lynch version 2.0. I mean, minus the muscle. I mean, he's a bulk up a little bit, but um, he's definitely got some good vision and. Uh, he can cut back good, and he can make guys miss, and he'll carry defenders for two or three yards. Yeah, I'm excited about Rawls, and, and he's a guy that was drafted, you know, was signed with Michigan out of out of college or out of high school, and you know, due to some other problems, ended up going to Central Michigan. But um, you know, to the talent's definitely there, and if he can keep his head on straight and, and get his opportunity, he could be a guy that could be very interesting. Um, let's finish up the NFC West and talk a little St. Louis Rams and. Who? You know the 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 oh. the, the, St. the St. Louis the St. Louis fans. 
Um, <laughs> you know that that bottom feeder that's been hanging around in the NFC West, but uh, you know they made a lot of noise this this off season, and they finally got out of Sam Bradford, and um, they got Nick Foles, which you know we'll see if that's an upgrade or not. Um, at least we know he'll be he should be healthy, relatively healthy for for most of the season, and. Uh, so let's talk about Nick Foles. Let's talk about what to expect, and and then we'll get into you know some of the passing game and stuff. So hey, I want to talk about that ghost in Ron's house that just opened the door. <laughs> that was my dog. <laughs> that was my dog creeping in. <laughs> Ron, I mean, if, if, if if nobody knows, we we record on Skype so we can see each other. So. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. Ron, is your is your house possessed? Do we need to call ghost hunters to come in and do some do some? <laughs> Yeah, it's possessed with two furry friends, and one of them decided to join me for the podcast. Apparently, so yeah, well, yeah, we should get him on. I think he'd be, I think he'd be a good guest to have. So, definitely. <laughs> um, so, Rob, what do you think about Nick Foles, um, and what do you think about his potential in, in St. Louis? Well, I, I think right now is going this is going to be a big year for Nick Foles, just like for Con Kaepernick in San Francisco. I think he's either going to take the next next step forward and get a big contract with the Rams if he shows them what they're looking for or he's going to be the next guy out the door uh, looking for a job in the NFL. So, I mean, there's definitely a need for quarterback. A lot of teams definitely need quarterback, and St. Louis being one of the, the main teams. So I, I like this trade and I like this acquisition. And, you know, Nick, Nick Foles has got a lot of talent. I mean, a lot of potential. Um, we've seen what he's done before. I mean, I mean he's two years of you know, ago he threw for 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions. You know, I don't think he'll ever have a year like that again. You know, but realistically, you know, if he can if he can toss 20, 25 touchdowns um, with this team, I mean, he's going to be a a nice addition and, and a guy that you can depend on. I would definitely pair him with another quarterback. Um, but I, I do like. I think the main question mark is going to be if the guys he's throwing the ball to can stay healthy and stay on the field. And if they do, I think he's going to have a pretty decent year this year and can be one of those guys, again, that you can target later on in the draft. And, you know, if you want to wait on quarterback, you know, this is one of the guys that I would definitely be targeting. And um, I think, didn't he have like a 400-yard passing game against, what team was it last year he had like 400 yards against? Maybe the Cardinals? I think there's a uh, there's a team in Arizona that um, he he lit up pretty good. Because they were playing from behind, right? <laughs> yeah, I only know because he was on my bench that week. So, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, no. But it's, seriously, yeah, this is this is I think a good landing spot for him, and um, you know, hopefully he can just take that next step forward. And, and I mean, the guy's a monster. He's six foot six, two hundred forty three pounds. I mean, if he can't see the, the field clearly, I, I don't think any quarterback out there can. Yeah, he definitely looks the part, but Reagan, do you think he, he can play the part? I mean, now that he's outside of Philadelphia and Chip Kelly's offense, you know, is he someone interesting to you? And, and what are your thoughts on him for this season? Um, I think Nick Foles is fool's gold. Um, I, 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 I think that, uh, uh, two years ago was an absolute fluke and Last year, the questionable decision-making, the bad throws, et cetera, et cetera, are more what we've seen, uh, are, are more the norm for him. Um, you, you forget that I'm an Arizona guy. Um, I'm, well, I, I'm an Arizona State University fan, and he's a U of eh 
guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've got I, I got to watch you know pretty much all of his games in college because I do pay pay close attention to the enemy. Um, and I saw a lot of that in college too. Uh, just questionable decision making, questionable throws, um, bad passes, the untimely interceptions. Um, I don't know what happened two years ago. That was you know heartbreak to me as a as a as a lifelong sun devil um watching him actually succeed but uh, i i no, not to, to not be personal personal about it um i i i think he's he's an upgrade yes from sam bradford um health wise i still believe bradford is a is a lot more talented quarterback uh but He's not going to get any benefits from this coaching staff, and that's what it comes down to to me in St. Louis. Um, I think that Jeff Fisher is one of the worst coaches in the league. He is. There's no reason that that man should still be coaching in the NFL. The NFL has passed him up. Um, and if it wasn't for Ken Wisenhunt in Tennessee, he would be my flat out, hands down, worst coach in the NFL. Oh, jeez. So, um, <laughs> it, it, this is that's more what we got to do with it. I believe that St. Louis has probably, and, and I'll be completely honest here. You know, St. Louis probably has more talent than any other team in the NFC West. I, I I'm not gonna lie, they they've got a ton of talent on both sides of the ball. Um, especially the defensive side, yes, but on both sides of the ball, and it's just it's just not being maximized. As long as, long as Jeff Fisher's there, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me as a as a Titans fan. I mean, I had I know, Jeff I know Fisher, and now I get now I get to enjoy all that is Ken Wisenhunt and his tar- terrible terribleness. But uh, I-, I warned you. <sighs> yeah, I mean, he's got he's, he's two and twenty. Anyways, we'll 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 get to talk Titans. Uh, an upcoming podcast, but let's, uh, so, so if we're, you know, you know, Jeff Fisher's terrible, Nick Foles is questionable, you know, are, are we interested at all in any of his receivers? I've seen Kenny Britt and Jared Cook drop way too many balls for, for my good, but, uh, you know, Brian Quick's starting to get a little steam and, you know, maybe the, maybe Stedman Bailey can, can do something, you know, with a reliable quarterback and not catching passes from Austin Davis. Um, Ron, I know you're a little higher on Foles than, than me and Regan seem to be. So kind of what are your thoughts on, on the, the receivers, the tight end and, and the pass catchers in St. Louis? Well, again, you know, I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good mix that they have. The, the issue, that we're going to focus on is, is staying on the field. You know, and these guys, Brian Quick, I mean, he's, Brian Quick's been hyped as one of those, one of the top wide receivers a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, he's been coming back from a shoulder surgery. Um, but he did look good last year in limited action. And he was kind of, I think if he, if he had stayed healthy the whole year, I think we'd be talking about him as, as a definite breakout candidate this year. But I'm tempering my expectations a little bit for him. But I think if he can stay on the field, he can be out there week one, ready to go. This is definitely a guy you want to invest in as far as dynasty. Take a shot on him. Um, Kenny Britt, though, on the other hand, I'm I'm, I'm not as optimistic with it, about him staying on the field, staying healthy. Um, he's definitely that typical boomer bust type wide receiver. So I'm sure he's going to have big weeks. But more often than not, he's going to give you that two catches for 15 yards and no touchdowns and 
excuse me, you're going to be upset that you put him in your starting lineup. So, you know, Be- uh, Bailey and Austin are two West Virginia products, and I think both those guys are also have not reached their full potential. But we saw a lot of good things from Bailey. I think as far as a PPR option, I think he might be one of the best on that team if you're going to pick any of those guys. And Austin, we still don't know what we have, but, you know, if this guy ever gets out in space or gets any space at all, he's, you know, he's he's a burner, and we all know that. So um, all in all, it's just a tricky situation. I, I would probably stay away from these guys if I could. Um, but if there's one guy I'm going after, it's going to be quick. And what about you, Regan? Are you interested in investing in any of the pass catchers in St. Louis, or is Nick Foles not worth gambling on? Just, you know, being decent enough. Well, um, remember how I was talking about earlier about uh, about Doug Baldwin being one of my guys. Brian Quick was my favorite wide receiver in that rookie draft when he came out. Um, Adam knows I was telling him to draft him back then. I've always been high on that guy. Now, thinking about it now, um, uh, Brian Quick's ADP right now is a number number fifty six wide receiver. Okay, um, Kenny Britt is number sixty-five. So looking at it, man, they're both value picks at this point to me because one of the two is going to lead the team. So I mean, you, you, Nick Foles has got to throw to somebody, and I think Nick Foles is a much more stable quarterback than what they've had there. You know, the the rotation between Austin Davis, Sam Bradford, um, uh, uh, Sean Hill, whoever else is throwing the ball, Joe Schmo off the street, um, as of what Joe they've Sch- had. At, at the very least, with, with, with what you're getting with Nick Foles is at least you're getting some consistency. The guy yeah. is pretty healthy. He's a pretty healthy quarterback. Um, he stays on the field. That's the main difference. So at least you can develop some consistency with the guy, and you're getting two wide receivers that are in the, that are in the 50s and 60s for for overall ADP. So at this, like I said, at this point, they're both to me they're both value picks. You can't go wrong with either one. Last time I checked. Um, Kenny Brick can drop as many balls as he wants in a game. I don't get penalized in fantasy football for drops. So, hey, drop eight of them, catch five of them, and catch five of them for ninety-five yards and a touchdown, and I'm good to go with with Kenny Brick in game <laughs> two. So, you know, I don't care how many you drop in real life. Uh, and and again, that's fantasy football. When you're looking for values at this time, at this point in time, both of them are value picks. I I, I believe that Kenny Britt has or Kenny Britt, uh, Brian Quick has a lot more upside of the yeah. two. But as of right now, I mean, at the current value draft, hell, put them on the end of your bench. You might you you might get lucky in the bye weeks. Yeah, you're and not going to start them. At, you're not going to start them every week. But as a bye week fill in, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with that kind of value. Yeah, especially as your fifth, sixth, seventh receiver, whatever it may be. You know, that's it's the risk versus reward. And if they come out and they look terrible, and you don't, you know, the offense isn't doing what you thought it might do, and cut them and and find somebody else in the waiver wire and. Uh, you know, help you win that way. Um, let's talk about their running backs because they took my favorite player in the draft, Todd Gurley, who I think has a ton of potential, but, you know, he's currently going 41 overall and is a running back 19 around Lamar Miller, around uh, Latavius Murray, around Jonathan Stewart. You know, what do we expect uh, from from Gurley this season? And, I mean, what's a reasonable expectation in terms of games? Regan, I mean, is, is 10 kind of where we should look at, or, or do we think maybe more? 
Um, I'm not I'm not touching Gurley in, in redraft in Dynasty. Yeah, I'll go ahead and grab him. Um, I'm not choosing him first overall yet. Um, but again, it's 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 St. Louis running back and it's Jeff Fisher coaching. Uh, you're this 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 situation is worse than worse than the Forty ers man. I don't want anything to do with any of them. If it, especially in a redraft league, man, I'm not touching those guys. Who knows? You know, yep, Gurley is the next is the second coming of Jesus, and Benny Cunningham starting. <laughs> Who knows what's gonna happen? I'm not touching them. You know, I, I have got no faith in that coaching staff. None, zero. So if it redraft, absolutely not. I'm not touching any St. Louis running back this year. I don't care the value unless I'm picking Todd Gurley in the 18th, 19th round, which you know that's not going to happen because he's going to be overdrafted. I mean, he might not even be ready for training camp, you know. So if he's not ready for training camp, if he's not ready for preseason, I don't want him on my team because he's not getting the reps. He's a rookie running back. Um, and we know that most, the majority of the times, rookies struggle. Skill position rookies struggle. And I don't want them on my team in a redraft league. Dynasty, you bet your butt I'm going to scrape them up because at some point St. Louis is going to get smart and they're eventually going to can Jeff Fitchman. So, you know, it'll play itself out that way. You know, it's addition by subtraction in the long run. Um, and he's probably one of the, he's, he's, he's probably right now already not even on the practice field, he's one of the most talented running backs in the league because Todd Gurley is that good of a prospect. Um, but in a redraft league, I'm not touching him. Yeah, I mean, I fully expect him to start on the PUP just, you know, in the beginning of the season, so I don't think he'll play the first six games. But uh, And then, you know, it's a learning curve, so maybe he gets you four or five, six games at the end of the season that – are worthwhile, but at that point, it's so, you know, it's so hit and miss. And like you're saying, you know, Jeff, he could be the best player, but Jeff Fisher had three weeks of Trey Mason being awesome and decided that, oh, I'm going to ride that out the rest of the season. Uh, what about you, Ron? Are you interested in, in Gurley or, or are you going to try and maybe pick up, you know, Trey Mason who's going as like the 30 something running back or, uh, and hope it works out or especially to start the year if, if Gurley has to miss time? Where are you at with the running game? Well, I'm going to agree with Regan as far as dynasty. I mean, obviously I'm going to be targeting Gurley everywhere I can. Um, the thing about redraft is, you know, we know he's probably not going to start the season. He's probably going to start the season on PUP, and that's going to be a killer for you. I mean, I guess if you're that type of owner that have, you know, you can hit all your other picks. Um, you can still draft Gurley and still compete. And then when he does come back, I think he could, could make that type of uh, – Odell Beckham type um, impact later on in the season for you and help you make a playoff run and help you win a fantasy championship. So I'm not going to tell people not to draft him and redraft. I'm just going to tell them that, you know, you better hit on every other pick that you make um, and you better work the wire good because you're going to put yourself in a hole drafting this guy and where he's going to probably go in the third or fourth round. So for me, I don't know. It's kind of, it's, 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 I'm going to probably shy away from the situation. And I mean, as far as Jeff Fisher, I mean, is this guy turning into the next uh, Mike Shanahan, or is it just me? I mean, this guy every year, every year this happens. I mean, last year I had Zach Stacy in a couple of keeper leagues. I was all, all happy. I thought I had, you know, a good running back RB2, and then here comes yeah, Trey yeah. Mason. Rains on my parade. So, I don't know. i just been burned a few times by Jeff Fisher, and it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And I, I guess as far as that goes – I mean, I think there's definitely value to be had with Trey Mason, 
but there's just so many question marks. And to be honest with you, I mean, there's another guy that a lot of people aren't even talking about is Malcolm Brown. I mean, who who knows? Maybe Malcolm Brown starting week two or week three uh, over Trey Mason. We just don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. So hey, hey, there's guy, a lot hey of guys. Todd Gurley's current ADP is running back 19. He's being drafted ahead of Jonathan Stewart, Andre Ellington, um, Lamar Miller, Joyke Bell, TJ Yeldon, Latavius Murray. <laughs> that's CJ, not CJ in, a, in redraft. Yeah. In redraft, that's insane. Yeah, I'm gonna. What I want to do is let somebody else in my league draft him, and then when you know he hasn't played for four weeks, go lowball him with an offer, or or try and find him on the waiver wire if someone drops him because of injuries or whatever. Um, if I if I own him this year, that's that's the way I'll own him. Yeah, absolutely. At that at that current ADP, it's nuts. That that's that's just insane. He is not going to finish. Fantasy football in 2015 in a redraft in redraft formats as the 19th best running back in the league. It's just that it's not going to happen. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight and helping uh, helping me cover the NFC West. I think uh, I think we covered you know every inch and every format as much as much as we can. Uh, so Regan, tell them where they can find you on Twitter so they can get your Arizona Cardinals tidbits and. Uh, you know, and we'll be tweeting out all kinds of information about the draft guide, where to find it, all that good stuff. Well, you, you can find me at Regan, F-P, uh, R-E-G-A-N, F as in fake, P as in pigskin. Um, and, yeah, you, you guys know I'm pretty active on there, so I'm always on there. Yeah. Uh, and then, Ron, uh, where where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at MadDogFF. Uh and uh, obviously, I'm at the Notorious KRO. Definitely uh, check out the draft guide next week, and uh, you know, let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you know if there's any changes or anything you want us to to add as we we look to improve it for next year. So, uh, with that, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye.